0: So in Christ Jesus, listen somebody, in Christ Jesus, because that is where you are, you are in Christ and he is in you. You are, according to to my Bible and yours, you are called a fruit bearing tree. You are created to bear fruit. And you are created in such a way that he has a place in you. And there's, there's a, some people call the God-sized hole. You were created to be in communion with him. All right, somebody? Last week we talked about abiding. It's something you were created for abiding in the vine. The, the master of the vineyard, his name is Jesus. But we were created to be fruit-bearing trees because the Holy Spirit, when he lights up upon us and takes his residence up inside of us, Come on, the mystery of Christ within the hope of glory. That's what Paul called it, the mystery of Christ within the hope of glory. He starts to do stuff inside of you and me that sometimes we can't even explain. I wasn't this, but now I am. Come on, somebody. It's not just a personality shift. It's not just a behavioral change, although we can do some of that stuff. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Stop doing something and do another. But it's deeper than that. It's a work of the Holy Spirit messing with our mind, will, and emotions, and even our bodies. Come on, where it affects the way that we are and the way that we're experienced. It's called the fruit-bearing tree. Come on, what are the fruits? According to Galatians, let's say them again. It's love and it's joy. Excuse me. I need to drink some water. Love and joy and peace. Somebody say patience. There's kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There's just some of the ways that the Holy Spirit lights upon us and says, I am going to show who God is through you by exemplifying these things because it's my nature inside of you and me. Raise your hand if you're saying I want to be more fruitful. Amen, somebody. <clears throat> now, how would we know? Well, this gets dangerous because, listen to this, this is, where we, this is where we get off the religious, and when I say false religion, I mean somebody that just goes to church on a Sunday morning and doesn't think about God any other time of the week. If that's you, if the shoe fits, wear it, and... I'm calling you out of it, but how how would you know if the fruits of the Spirit are manifesting unless they're experienced in the relationships around you, right? And we can talk, we can talk at length about scripture and the fruit of the Spirit and abiding in the vine, but you actually don't know that people around you are experiencing that unless you're brave enough to ask, I speak bravery on you, come on, are your relationships filled with these fruits? Well, I don't know. I don't always know what Alicia experiences on the other side of me. And even more, I don't always know what my kids experience on the other side of me. Because I don't always stop to ask. You get what you get. If you don't like it, find a house. I know, No, I could be that way, but no, it's better if I say, I wonder if my kids feel the love of the Father flowing through me, and if they don't, then here's the thing. Here's the question that we should be asking. What are you experiencing on the other side of me? Ask your spouse, ask your kids, ask your friends and, and ask the question, what do I cause you to feel? Now, some of you have done that this, this past week because you did what the pastor asked you to do. Some of you that are actually saved. I, again, I'm just teasing you. This is my sarcasm to try to make you, lighten you up a little bit. But no, some of you done that and maybe you didn't get a good maybe you didn't get some good feedback. Maybe you're like, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to ask that." Then some of you were brave enough to do it and now you feel now you feel sad about it because somebody was actually honest with you. Listen, it's an opportunity. Let's not get this wrong, guys. Let's not get false religion. Let's get this right. It's an opportunity for you to partner with the Holy Spirit in you so that the fruits of the Holy Spirit can flow through you in place of the bad fruit. That was just pointed out. It's not you just modifying your behavior. It's got to come from a deeper place. You understand that? It's an opportunity for you to partner with the Holy Spirit. And now there's an attitude that should flow through you that says, what is impossible for man is very possible for God. In and of ourselves, we will fail, fail, fail. Have you read the Old Testament? Failure, 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 and more failure. And then Jesus. Now the new covenant. Success and fruitfulness and abundance and joy and all that stuff that comes with the new covenant can be done in you and flow through you as we partner with him and say, yes, Lord Jesus, do it in me. Amen? Amen? That's the mindset that we should have so that we don't fall into a false religion. So this message, I want, to call, I want to call it Fruit Killers. Ever buy fruit that was rotten, had mold and worms or something like that? You're like, okay. Let's not shop there anymore. So in the natural, man, there's, there's a lot of things that farmers need to watch for if they want the crop to succeed, right? They got to look for, and, and some things are outside of their control, like droughts and floods and high winds, of course, damage the trees and the crops and the orchard's just done after that. But then there's things that um, that are up to the farmer to tend, you know, like like pests and rodents and finding ways to keep them out and various forms of fungus and mold and mildew are common in orchards and and vineyards and things like that, where they have to then tend to the the branches and make sure that these things are off. And in the Bible, you read about even swarms of locusts, you know, that would come and steal the crop, you know, before the harvest. There's bugs and worms of all kinds. And uh, I thought, I thought about this, and I did some research this, this week, because I wasn't sure of the full story, but a couple years ago, we got lanternflies up in Lebanon County, and um, man, we, we bought, one of the reasons we bought our house in Lebanon was there's two very large maple trees that they left in the front yard that seemed to have been there forever. You know, those trees that are this wide, and there's two of them on either side of our house, kind of in the front, and we, and we looked at that, we're like, this is so neat. But these maple trees then got infested with uh, lanternflies and started just sapping the life out of the tree, right? So we started researching what we could do. Man, the first time I started spraying these things, and I had to dodge, they were dropping out of the trees like by the, by the thousands. And so every year since, we've been treating these trees so they don't die. But get this, the spotted lanternfly that saps the life out of trees and kills trees, it's an invasive plant hopper uh, native to China, is thought to have arrived as egg masses. This is ironic. I'm telling you, this is ironic. It's thought to have arrived as egg masses on a stone shipment in 2012, and the first infestation was found in Berks County, Pennsylvania. Anybody know where that is? <laughs> Isn't that ironic? I thought so too. Thank you, Berks County. Y'all gave Lebanon County and Lancaster County. <clears throat> I actually, I'm a conspiracy theorist sometimes. <laughs> I think the same people that sell the stuff to get rid of them are the same people that hauled them over here. That's what I think. I'll stand by that. They made a lot of money. Follow the money, people. I'm okay being wrong about that, but that's just what I think. Anyway, the first infestation was found in Berks County, Pennsylvania. It's ironic. Come on. In 2014, in a wooded area of trees known as Tree of Heaven. That's what they called the bushes. That's what they called the trees, Tree of Heaven. That's their favorite. Now, the spotter, uh, spotted lanternfly attacks a lot of trees, but that's their favorite tree, tree of heaven. Isn't that just ironic? Come on. In a spiritual place like church right now, it's just ironic here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a son of heaven. You're a daughter of heaven. The spotted lanternfly feeds on a wide range of fruit and ornamental and woody trees, with tree of heaven being one of the preferred hosts. Now, let, let, me, let me get off of that. But if we're not careful... You know we get into a, we, we can get into a mindset of not tending to the tree if that makes sense, and we got we to gotta spray it with the right stuff and stay dwell, dwelling in the vine where these things get taken care of. Why because then we become unfruitful so unfortunately there 's enemies to the vineyard of our souls as well. one who tries hard to stop all growth and production, cut off the leaves, uh, cut off the flowers, or he 's trying to cause evil fruit to manifest. In its place instead, instead of the actual fruit bearing that you want to see, now there's stuff coming out like rage and lies and perversions of all kinds and hatreds of all kinds. His name is Satan and his minions are known as demons, right? They try to create a stronghold. Now, what's a stronghold? A stronghold in our soul, in our soul realm. Our soul, we know it as the mind, will, and emotion. We've talked about it before. A stronghold, when we use that word, it's, it's, it's this, it's a conglomerate of deceptions or lies or evil thoughts that have been lodged in your soul because of the enemy, where demonic entities have access and control and influence, and they can come and torment you from that place. Doesn't mean you're demon possessed, it means that you believe certain lies, manifestations of lies that have controlled a certain place. You've been told something when you were a child, perhaps, or you just believe lie after lie after lie along the way. It becomes a nest. And we call that a stronghold because then enemies can, can leave something in there that's lodged in your brain and the devil can move to Tanzania and torment someone else while you're still back here being tormented by that thought that he left behind 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Does that make sense, somebody? We call those strongholds, and we can break strongholds. They torment you from that place. How many know God's truth displaces every enemy's stronghold in Jesus' name? Amen, somebody? That's where we are, and we have to believe that. Otherwise, I leave you with a very discouraging message, because that's not, that's not, my, that's not my message. My message this morning is, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That is really my message this morning. But the thief, he comes to steal and kill and destroy, according to the book of John. I came that they may have life, Jesus said and life and have it more abundantly. First Peter 5.8, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Peter says, your adversary, the devil, there he is again, he prowls around like a roaring lion and he seeks someone to devour. Somebody say, not me. Not me. That's right. We, we don't want to be those people that don't tend to the vineyard enough and we don't let ourselves be picked off. We can actually stay in, uh, in, in tune with the master of the vineyard in such a way that we learn spiritual warfare. Man, I I want to pause right here and get get on something that just isn't my notes. I think before we're out of this world, I actually think the actual true Christians and true believers will learn to cast out demons like Jesus did. And in America there's, there's a whole realm of Christianity that just runs from stuff like that and, and I just want to declare to you that true Christians that are f- true followers of Jesus Christ will do the actual ministry that Jesus did that is salvation, you help people get saved to the cross, and you minister healing and deliverance in jesus name it 's all the ministry of Jesus Christ. why would we want not why would we not want a full gospel experience when Jesus said that's what I died for. And that's what I have for you, my sons and daughters. Amen and amen. Now that's another message and we need some training and all that. And we're going to get there. But anyway, what is blocking the joy of the Lord? Let's pause and say, what? What is blocking the joy of the Lord? Are there lantern flies on your soul? are Are there infestations that take the peace? So that when you are created to experience the peace that passes understanding, there's something sucking the sap out of the tree. Now, what is it? the self-control that you used to walk in and now you have no self-control and you're wondering why. Now you're looking around and you wish you could buy it from a bottle at Walmart, but you can't because it can't be found anywhere except in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then he can return all those things when we learn to pick the bugs off the trees and spray them with stuff that kills them. All the fruits should be evident, any follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. By the way, I just want to get on another little soapbox today. Um, when we preach or sing about more of you, pour out your spirit, more of you, Lord. Well, I don't want to, pre- I don't want to preach it, and we don't want to sing it in a, in a way that makes it sound like God has not given all of himself. And he emptied himself on the cross. Come on, somebody. And he gave it all. And it isn't him that has the problem and him that has the blockages, it's us. If we make him the problem, well, God gave me a drop of wisdom, and he gave her about 10 drops of wisdom, and if he, if he really loved me like crazy, he would give me all 50 drops of wisdom like he gave that prophet or that preacher or that intercessor, it's bad theology, people. I'm telling you, it's bad theology when we, when we act like God has withheld of himself. Now, I know he gives various gifts to various people, but he has poured out of his Spirit upon all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. He is not a respecter of persons. When it comes to various fruits of the Spirit especially, now he uses people in different roles when I'm trying to balance what I'm preaching. He uses people in different roles. I understand that. But he does not look at you and say, eh, I'll just give you patience and nothing else. Y'all won't have any self-control. No love, no love for you, no love for you. He's just not like that. And so we can get into a mindset where if we're not careful what we preach and what we sing, we put God in this strange little box of like, here's a measure for you and a tiny measure for you. Oh, you deserve a little more. No, that's a workspace Christianity. Now, we have to go about tending divine, so that all of him flows through me. Does that make sense, somebody? Okay, good, good. Thank you for coming out today. I'm so glad you came because I was just hoping you would just agree with that part. Just look at your face and some of you are like, huh, I have to go pray about that. Therefore, therefore, Not just working harder to get fruit, but to cooperate with the Holy Spirit at work within us to remove everything that's preventing the fruit from growing. Here's what Song of Solomon said. And uh, King Solomon wrote this in chapter 2. He says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. How would you like to chase a few foxes today? When the foxes get in the hen house, that's another way to put it. You know, it, it, you, know you don't have a harvest, <laughs> no eggs for you for breakfast, right? But the foxes also get into the vineyards and they had to learn to keep them out. And, and so do we. We partner with uh, the, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, and the person of the Holy Spirit to get these things knocked off of us so we can blossom the way that we're made to blossom. No, not a single one of you was not created to blossom fully in, in the vineyard that you are. Amen. So in Galatians 5, 9, I want to talk about one thing. I want to talk about three different things, but I'm going to go after some foxes today. Just want you to uh, put your seatbelt on if there's one near you. <laughs> get your neighbor to put his hand up in front of you if you feel like you're going to get knocked off of this train. But I'm going to go pretty fast through these things. There's a lot to cover. But at the end of it, I just want to say these foxes are not allowed in the vineyard anymore. Amen. So number one is sin and perversion. Let's talk about sin and perversion. And I want to talk about it in a healthy way, but let's nail some things down so you can maybe look at it rightly. What is sin? Um, in Galatians 5.19, we read some of this stuff, man, and there's other places, but here's one of them where they're just, there's a whole nest of, nest of stuff that points to what sin really looks like, which is like simply not being in alignment with God and the works of the flesh are evident. Paul writes... Um, sexual immorality is one of them, impurity and sensuality, idolatry and sorcery, um, which is witchcraft and enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions. Take a deep breath. He goes on. Envy and drunkenness and orgies and things like this, and I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Somebody say those people are partnering with the wrong person, right? They're not dwelling in the vine. They're not. They're, they, they haven't, or at least if they if they really are, they haven't killed all the lantern flies. Amen. Now, one thing about lantern flies is they look so beautiful. I hate to kill them. <laughs> Didn't stop me though, but <laughs> but didn't Moses say and this isn't in my this isn't in my in my notes today? But didn't Moses say sin is pleasurable for a season? Right? Because it's not that he comes, you know, like like a Halloween figure, you know, dressed up like a demon with horns. He comes as an angel, shining light, and say, This will pleasure you. This will feel good for a moment. This is probably what you need to snap out of the depression or the funk that you're in. And and so it, it comes like a lantern fly and says, Aren't I beautiful? You know, and then you see what it does to you, and you go, kill it, Lord. <laughs> kill it, Lord. It's destructive to the vine. Well, I'm going to talk about the word sin for just a little bit. It means a lot of things. Surprisingly, in Old and New Testament, it's used various places. And of course, in different places, it means bad and evil and grievous. And it means harm and lewd and malicious and wicked. And all those descriptions can be found in the Strong's Concordance. And there's a few more. You know, when you look at the word sin as it's used multiple, multiple times in the Old and the New Testament, it's a little bit like the word love, quite honestly, where there's so many variations You know, of the word love, we have one, you know, I love chocolate cake, and I love my wife. You know, we don't have another word for the distinguishing between, I obviously love Alicia more than I love chocolate cake, aren't you glad for that? But we don't have a word in the English language to make it sound higher or different, and so such as like with the word love. It's kind of like that with the word sin. There's so many variations of this word, but here's one that I really want you to know today, because this is really, really where I really think we we can gain victory with this word. There's a word of the New Testament called hamartan, i I'm mispronouncing that. I apologize. I'm not necessarily a Greek scholar. I had one class on Greek and that wasn't near enough. It means to properly miss the mark. It comes from the bows and arrow days, you know, uh, where they were hitting the target and shooting for the bullseye and then missing. And when they would miss the mark, you cannot share in the prize. That is... That is, you shot in error, too far to the right, top down. to You're shooting for the target, and you missed. That's called send. You just send. You're aiming for the target, but you missed. And that, that's, that's really what that word means. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 6.18 and a few other places, of course. But it says, flee from sexual immorality, Paul writes again. Every other sin, every other way that you miss the mark, is uh, a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins, he misses the mark against his own body. It's basically what he's writing, okay? And so what is the mark or what is the target? Well, here, listen. The target that we're created to shoot for, to be created to function, is God's original design, God's original intent, and God's original purpose. God's original design, intent, and purpose. And think about before the fall, like Adam and Eve in perfect union and perfect, what we call righteousness, union with God, being made right with God. They lived in perfect unity and they, didn't, they, didn't, they chose not to stay there, but to be like him. Matter of fact, the, the target is Jesus Christ. It's the man Jesus Christ. He came to represent the Father, but he came to represent how we are to be on the earth. Come on, I'm really like, that's just too big of a target, man. That's just too too tall of an order. We've set the goal too high. Well, that's because, what, again, what's impossible with man is possible with God. Come on, somebody, we can't do this on our own strength, and that's why the Holy Spirit is an empowering grace. The grace of God is an empowering grace. It's strong enough to slay the devil in all of his traps. And I really want to talk more about that sometime, about the empowering grace. But then it empowers us from the inside out to be something that we never thought we could. And the truth is, without that, you never can You cannot attain to the perfection that is in Jesus Christ. And so the, the way, the way that we start to like hit the target, so to speak, is to start to repent. Now, the repentance is turning from, but here's, here's, here's what I really want to get down. Turn from by turning to. In other words, you don't just stop aiming, you start aiming at the right thing and being a reflection of Jesus Christ, because when you get your mind so much into your behavior mode, and you're like, I'm trying to hit the target, I'm trying to hit the target, should it look a little more like this, a little more like that, you're trying to get, get everything, how many, how many of you go bow hunting, one or, one or two of you probably? Yeah, really, no one, wow, oh yeah, one or two, I was right, one or two, they're hard to find. We're in the city of Reading. There's probably not a lot of deer hunting going on here. But no. but but, it, but right when you're when you you don't you don't stop aiming and, and give up, but you actually adjust and you adjust, but you have to you have to keep aiming until you, until your sights are or, or a line, I know I'm not preaching that part super well, but you actually turn from something by making an adjustment so that you're turning to something, and the, and the way that you walk away from missing the mark is to mess with the adjustments so that you're focused on the right thing, it's a turning to that sets you free, not just a turning from, does that make sense, I think I finally preached it, oh my goodness, like, spit it out preacher, <laughs> And a lot of Christians are known by what they're against, as opposed to what they're for. Does that make sense? Yes. That's that's what I'm trying to get across. And we want to be known by what we're aiming for. And His name is Jesus Christ. First John two one says, "My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin." Um, meaning you don't have to sin. Wouldn't well, everybody a sinner? Not necessarily. Uh, you've been made a saint. It means that you sometimes stumble. That doesn't make you a sinner. When I start calling you sinners, guess what you will do when you leave this place, even before you leave the parking lot? Sinners sin. If I call you a saint and a son and daughter of the Most High God, and I call you to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Corinth, come on somebody. If your identity is a saint and I'm a son and a daughter of the Most High God, you will be prone to righteousness. And your brain starts to find ways to be more righteous. Paul said, I, I used to be a slave to that. Now I'm a slave to righteousness. I can't help but do good. Something's, something's compelling me. Why? Because he was saved, healed, and delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit, and now known as a saint. Doesn't mean you always do everything right, but you, but you do not change your identity. Do your kids change identity when they do something wrong? You have to discipline them. Do they stop being a member of your family? talk to me if that's the case. I'm going to report you today yet. This is not what we do, right? Okay, First um, John 1, 9, and then I want to move on. If we confess our sins, that's still a thing today. We confess our sins. We say when we're off the mark, he is, and we own it, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It looks like this, and all these should be intact when we deal with the Holy Spirit this way. I confess, I repent. That means to change your mind, metanoia. Change your mind and think differently about these things. I confess, I repent, I receive your love and forgiveness. Don't miss that last part. I confess, I repent, I miss the mark, and I'm missing it continually. I receive your love and forgiveness. If you do not receive the love and forgiveness, you will not hit the mark the next time either. I confess, I repent, I receive your love and forgiveness. Y'all okay? Good, good, good. Number two, number two. Let's move on. We could talk more about that some other day. Number two, let's get those bugs out that are called bitterness and unforgiveness. The first point was just sin, sin overall, dealing with sin issues. Number two, let's deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. It's a plague in our culture. I don't know that I personally lived in such a bitter culture, Um, And how many know the spirit of the age is trying to uh, infest, you know, the sons and daughters of God just as much as he's trying to infect our world? But there's a lot of bitterness and unforgiveness. Uh, You can say, you know, the sky is blue and someone will be offended. Someone will be offended with you for just saying that because the sky is not blue everywhere. You know, it's apparently it's not blue on the other side of the world because now it's nighttime. You know, some who, someone's going to be offended. Deuteronomy 29 says this, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations so that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness. Be bitterness. Somebody say bitterness. Somebody say bitterness. Or wormwood. Well, what on earth is wormwood? Wormwood was a kind of tree, if I understand it correctly. It was a wormwood, and the roots sometimes would go into the water that they would drink and get into the, the, the springs that they would drink from. And when they would drink from that that well or that spring, typically, it made the waters very bitter and they said unfit to drink, until they removed the wormwood roots or the branches that would fall into these pools of living water, right? And because it would uh, taste bad and it would taint it and spoil the water. Man, how many of you have been around a person that you're like, it just feels toxic, right? Out of us should should flow springs of living water. Again, that's how we were created. And then when that gets tainted by bitterness and unforgiveness, it turns the water that you're sharing, the, the life that you're sharing with others, it becomes a little bitter. It becomes tainted and people go, oh, I enjoyed being around that person until they started talking about, and I feel icky. I feel like I've been tainted somehow. Now I'm dealing with unforgiveness. I wasn't dealing with unforgiveness before now or, or whatever. It doesn't have to be just that. But bitterness and unforgiveness are rampant in our culture. And Hebrews 12:15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, there it is again in Hebrews, lest any root of bitterness is springing up and causing trouble, and by this many become defiled." And so it doesn't use the word toxic, it used the word defile. Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And the word malice is the intent to do evil. That's what that means. And again, what do bitter roots look like? You're sitting there going, man, I don't know if I'm bitter. You know? Again, you ask, ask the questions of those people around you. Uh, find someone that you trust to get some feedback. If bitter roots look like this. Um... How do I know if I'm allowing this in my life? It looks like anger and resentment toward God. It's one of the things it looks like. Believing that God is holding out on you or disappointment in God for an unmet expectation. I'm pausing a bit just for emphasis. Because uh, you know how many people that we meet that are going, I thought God was going to and he didn't. And I still feel frustrated about that. And I'm using a very mild word, Frustrated. Because even more than frustrated is disappointment. And even more than disappointment is bitter. And even more than bitter is all outrage and anger. And even more than that is atheistic turning away from God and completely deconstructing. And how many have seen that going on in our culture? Even some some prominent uh, leaders of of worship bands and things like that just going, I'm completely deconstructing. And I would tend to say, I've listened to some of their testimonies because I'm always curious. Some of them just became bitter. Because things did not happen the way that they thought it would happen. And they didn't get quite the experience or sell, I don't know, maybe didn't sell as many albums as they thought they would. They just didn't quite experience all they wanted to experience. There's disappointment with God setting in. and, And then it becomes resentment toward others as well. It's the same thing. Resentment toward others. People that failed us. And you can look around this room and point to anybody close to you. And there's people that have failed that person. And unfortunately, we might have been some of those people. Um, that failed another person, didn't do that, which we wanted to do. We hurt others in some way, but all of us have experienced that to some degree, some more than others. Disappointment in others because of unmet expectations, right? Sinful reactions to hurt. I can not tell you, when I launched into pastoral ministry, I, can't, I can tell you at first it was surprised. I'm not surprised anymore, but the things that people were involved in, and you can list all the various, what we would call sins in the universe, that were justified by Christians, justified because God knows how bad my life is right now i 'm justified in acting out this way you 'd be surprised what what people justify and i 'm talking about Christian brothers and sisters why because bitterness sets in because i 'm going through a divorce and my husband uh, abused me, and the list goes on and on. There's been abuse, there's been hurt, all kinds. It, it, God understands that I'm now sleeping with this other person who is not my husband, right? Even though the Bible says that's called fornication or, or, or um, right? Even, But I'm going to ignore that because God understands because the reason I'm sinning is because I've been hurt so badly. Easy to justify. You'd be surprised how much of that goes on in the Christian churches. Um, around the globe. Okay, I'm gonna move on because you're like taking a deep breath going, I hope he preached about something else next week. <laughs> It looks like critical, condemning judgments of people. What does the root of bitterness look like? Critical, condemning judgments of people, meaning we just lack the grace and the patience. You lack the fruit of the Spirit is another way to say it. And I'm critical, and it's easy for me to condemn, easy for me to judge people, because I'm just, you know, I I show up bitter and I leave bitter. I'm just looking for something to be offended by. It looks like famine or unfruitfulness in some area. Look at your life. Is there an area of your life where you're just going, it feels unfruitful. It feels like, you know, whether it's your checkbook, whether it's your relationships, whether it's just, you know, something else, whether it's uh, your, your health or whatever that sometimes, not every time, but sometimes, you know, look to see if there's bitterness or unforgiveness that is attached to those things because it causes unfruitfulness in some area. You cannot have stink bugs, or I should say, lantern flies, hanging on your tree and sapping all the life out of the tree, and then expect the tree to blossom and bear a lot of fruit. It just doesn't. My maple trees were suffering. It looks like expectations are more hurt. It becomes bitter root expectations, um, because once you've experienced it, you can get into such a place of bitterness where you you wake up expecting to experience more hurt, and it puts you into a bit of a funk, doesn't it? Where you're like, wow, it's not just that something happened to me. I've now got into such a place where I expect more bad to happen. And it's typically a root of bitterness. Because of what happened to me, I am unloved, I am unworthy, and I am unaccepted. Now, because I'm in such a funk that I am unloved, no matter what happens, I am unworthy. And what else happens? I am unaccepted. It's called, also called a root of rejection. The worst kind of rejection is called self-rejection. I dealt with the spirit of rejection for many, many years in my life. And and that's a story maybe more for another time, especially with me and my dad. We had a long time, long, long, long time to mend our relationship before he passed away. But that wasn't the worst thing. The worst thing that came at me was a nest. Come on, a stronghold, a nest in my mind built with lie upon deception upon lie upon deception. Long after I was a man of God, it got revealed more and more and more and more until this stronghold had to crumble. And that stronghold was called self-rejection. Again, the devil moved off to Haiti and did some work over there while I was back in Pennsylvania self-destructing because he had left behind at a very young age lies of rejection you 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 were born at the wrong time your mom thought you were having another girl you 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 messed with the family and and you know the, the family wasn't ready to provide for a third child. Matter of fact, I was born and they didn't have a name for me. They had to figure out one while they were still in the hospital. And on and on and on, the list goes of lies. that says you were unwanted, you weren't planned for, and they didn't know how to raise a boy. They were used to raising girls, but they didn't know how to raise boys. You know, stuff, I don't know. Some of it's true, some of it's actually true, and some of it was actually lies and deception because I'd put, uh, the enemy puts a lot in there. Self-rejection's the worst. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And this is what I really want to point out. And give no opportunity to the devil means give no place or give no foothold, no door. Don't let him in. Come on, somebody. In what areas of your life are you not experiencing fruitfulness? Is it bitterness? Where in your life are you not abundant? Is it unforgiveness? I'm asking the question Cause I don't know, but you and the Holy Spirit that lives within you do know. And guess what? I have good news for you. I'm not trying to depress you. I have good news for you. Deliverance is a breath away. Amen. It literally is a breath away. How close can the Holy Spirit get to you if he says he lives inside of you? Amen. We say, come Lord Jesus, what we're praying for, and I didn't really stop my soapbox back there. I didn't really complete. What we're praying for is more of his manifestation, Not that I think he up and leaves me, but I pray for more freedom and more deliverance and more revelation and more knowledge and a broader understanding of who you are. Even, I know he's already there, but I pray for more. And that doesn't mean more of God because he's holding back. It means I pray for more understanding and more freedom and more deliverance. Amen? It's a breath away. That's how close he is. Then we need to repent and change our mind again. Back to that word repentance. Turn away from, acknowledge the lie and denounce it. Declare and believe that every curse is broken by Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Um, Roots of bitterness can be... uh, yanked out that quickly Galatians 3:13 I want to read this before I move on Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for its written curses everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith Right? And so what that means is those things that have come against us, we can choose to forgive, we can ask God to help us forgive, and you let go of what I call the court process. So you let him be the judge. You let him be the righteous judge, and I stop that process. And I, you know, if I, if I had to call the authorities, I call the authorities, and at some point, this doesn't always happen overnight, you let it go, and, and you say, okay, God, you're the righteous judge. Now, I'm going to move on, and I don't believe there's anything On my life anymore. Because of the finished work of the cross, there's no curse. Follow me. And so then I learned to speak it out. I choose to forgive. Man, I've said this many times, you know, because I got to get my mind and my body to match what's happening in my spirit. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. Now get in line. I choose to forgive. Wait, wait. I forgave that person. I choose. I'm not bitter anymore. And you start declaring the truth over your life so that you can walk into freedom. Amen, somebody? Let's move on. Number three, we're going to get one more little fox. You still up to it? One more little fox that spoils the vineyard. Here we go. It's called fear and anxiety. Amen. There's a Forbes article, <clears throat> uh, a very, very recent Forbes article it says, um, How many Americans have anxiety in 2023? It's anxiety d- uh, disorders grew from about 298 million people affected to 374 million are reported right now, recently that have some type of anxiety-driven mental disorder in this country, that is, which is about a 25% increase. And the COVID had a lot to do with that. And let me just pause and say the devil had a lot to do with that. He uses stuff like COVID. That's the devil too. Um, Age group, young adults ages 18 to 25 in the U.S. have the highest rate of experiencing mental health conditions, and, uh, which is about 30, 30%, followed by those ages 26 to 49, 25%, and adults aged 50 and over, 14%. And so there's an increase uh, in our in our culture. Now, this is our culture. I'm not, I'm not talking necessarily you as a believer. I'm talking about in our culture. Is that okay? Gonna, you, can you distinguish that? Amen. Otherwise, you'll even go, man, the pastor just cursed us. He told me we all have anxiety. That's no, not true. But listen, if you're in this place, I am not here to condemn you. If you have to take meds to fight the depression, I am not, the, I'm not gonna condemn you for that. If you, have to, if you have to go through counseling and therapy you know, for this reason, I am not condemning you. I thank God for all those things. I'm thankful for the medical industry. I'm thankful for really good Christian therapists. But I will say this to you, and I'll say this very clear. I will never condemn someone that's on a, on a healing, on a journey to healing. But when people when people own it and say, this is me, and this is the final chapter, now it's who I am. That's what I start to challenge because now you're no longer believing for total freedom. It doesn't mean you are there now, but you can be. And when we lose faith, I think that's where scripture challenges us and say, why did you park? Why did you park at chapter five when there's 10 chapters in the book of your story of life? And you parked at chapter five and said, this is me. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to be popping the pills first thing in the morning. Again, if you're doing that, I don't condemn you. But we could pray with you and you could stay on the journey. Don't go home and throw your pills away. No, just stay on the journey. Right In God and with God so that scripturally and and as Jesus Christ is, so are we in this world. Come on, somebody. And then we, we are changed from glory to glory to glory to be totally healed and totally free. Is that okay? Is that balanced enough? Psalm 34 says this, I sought the Lord, David said, and he answered me and he delivered free from all of my fears. Somebody say all all of my fears and those by the way anxiety is rooted in fear just in case you didn't catch that the root of it is fear stresses and anxiety how many times how many people do you know i'm stressed and 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 i'm stressed stressed. now you hear that so so prevalent in our culture it's all over the place millions and millions of people say that every day they wake up stressed and go to bed stressed it's a fear it's fear from the enemy I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears and stresses. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Hallelujah. That's a good word. In John, the book of John, in the New Testament, Jesus said to them, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. It's different. It's different. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. And what he's saying is, don't park there. That's actually not the end of your story. That is not his original design and purpose for you. If it's a journey, it's a journey. And Paul said, I know how to abase and I know how to abound, meaning there's a season of this and a season of that, but do not park there. There's more for you, it's not the end. 1 Peter 5, 7, he writes it this way, casting all your anxieties on him, that's the ESV translation, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, here's the final key that I really want you to take home with you today, because this is a key that really, really, really starts to change where you're at, especially if you're struggling with those those, um, foxes of the vineyard, so to speak. The word is trust. Somebody say trust. Trust. Trust is one of the main ingredients to living free of fear and anxiety. Because in fear and stress and anxiety, somewhere, please don't get offended with me, I deal with some of the same stuff you do. I'm still a human as well. And I have to fight this off and I have to wrestle and tend the vineyard. Come on, somebody. Somewhere, somewhere, there's fear. Because we cannot trust fully in the goodness of God in some area of our lives. Proverbs 3, um, he writes it this way, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Somebody say all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding and in all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Can we just pray this just a little bit? Start murmuring with me. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. If you have to say that a hundred times a day, we start doing that. That's tending to the vineyard. I trust you, Lord. I don't want these lantern flies to suck the life out of my maple tree anymore. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I see what you're doing. You're trying to bring stress. Oh my goodness! This person just makes me so fear-driven, anxiety-driven. I can't. Hardly... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have a higher calling on my life. I trust in you, Lord. I don't know what that person's dealing with. I can listen to them, but it doesn't have to affect me. Why? Because my hope is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. You will go through hell and high water. They will go through hell and high water, whoever they are. My trust is in the Lord. I do not trust in the the schemes of man. My trust is that God will see me through. There is a higher way. Come on, somebody. Can I get a Berks County amen? I declare that whatever happened in Berks County with the lantern flies, there's something else good coming out of Berks County. <laughs> His name is Jesus Christ, and the establishment of His kingdom is called fruitful. And there will be no more foxes that mess with the vineyard, no more lantern flies that sap the joy and the peace and the self control and the patience and the long suffering. All these things can continue to sap the life out of these trees called Grace Church and the families that you represent. I break it off in the name of Jesus. That is not our lot in life. So we had something go through. Maybe it was a plague. I don't know what they're calling that, a plague, you know, a rupture. <laughs> Man, it a, And bring it on, China. We're going to send them back to where they belong. I mean, they're not native here. Send them back to where they're native. I don't know. But in China, apparently they don't destroy all the trees because China has trees. Isn't that ironic? I don't know what they do down there, but I don't know why they come here to eat our trees. Back with you, away from you, in Jesus' name. <laughs> so did we chase out a few foxes today? Is that okay? All right, I have a final scripture. I have a final scripture for you. It's uh, Paul and Barnabas Barnabas were preaching at a place called Lystra. It's in Acts 14, and I just like what he said, and I wanna just declare this over you, and I want you to listen to this. In Acts 14, starting at 15, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them In past generations, and this is what Paul and Barnabas are preaching, he said, in past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without a witness, without witnesses. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. He did not leave himself without a witness here in Berks County either. He has a witness. And he has a demonstration of his glory, and it's called the Grace Church Families and all the churches around here that are followers of Jesus Christ and all the families that you represent. He's leaving himself a witness. He's saying, look... I have not left them alone. Look what I have built, and look at my orchard, and look at my vineyards that are ripe for harvest. I'm not leaving myself without a witness on the earth, and here they are. He's like, here's my people. He did good by giving them rains from heaven and fruitful seasons. Somebody say fruitful seasons, and he's satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Can I get one more amen? Amen. That is the end of my message. Would you stand with me today in Jesus' name? We love you guys so much. Man, I pray that as you leave here today, something in the, in the area of freedom is happening to you. You go forth in a new way. I want to pause right now and ask you if you know, again, the master of the vineyard, the one that we're talking about who comes to tend the vine. He comes to tend your soul, and he's looking at you and pronouncing shame upon you. If you're dabbling in something and you have an addiction, he is not coming and bringing condemnation that was done away with at the foot of the cross. He is not looking at you and saying shame on you. He is looking at you and saying freedom on you he is saying, hey, I paid for that and you don't have to struggle with that anymore. If it's something like a fear and anxiety or some other fox that has just messed with your vineyard on and on, you dabbled in something that you wish you wouldn't have and you keep habitually doing something that you wish you wouldn't do, Maybe it's a sexual perversion of some kind where it's just not God's original intent. You just don't know why you're prone to miss the mark from God's original intent. He's looking at you and saying, freedom on you. You don't have to live that way. I can help you realign and set your sights to re-aim for the target whereby in Jesus Christ, because of the finished work of the cross and the empowerment of his grace upon you, you can hit the target right where it belongs, right in the bullseye. And you can walk away from this place even today when a journey of freedom is saying, I left it behind. But listen, do you know the master? Do you know the one that you're partnering with? His name is Jesus Christ. And he says, unless I'm Lord of your life, you cannot be fruitful in the ways that we're describing. I'm sorry, it just doesn't work that way. Pause, close your eyes just for a moment. We do this just to give people personal space. Some people don't want it, other people need it. Take a moment. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I don't know if Jesus is Lord of my life, we would love to simply pray with you. Would you shoot your hand up in the air and say, today, I want to start this journey with Jesus Christ and make him Lord of my life. And we will simply pray with you. If you're here today, shoot your hand. I see you, brother. So proud of you. So thankful that you're here today. Anybody else? All right, you can put your hands down for now. Thank you. I'm so excited. The angels are jumping up and down already. Um, I want to do one more thing before we all pray together. Um, If you're here today and you're saying, I have identified some foxes in the vineyard. I've identified some scourges in the orchard, so to speak, and things that are ruining the fruit and getting in the way. And there's things that are, you know, sapping the life out of this tree, Every eye closed for just another moment. Would you raise your hand so we can pray as well? Yes, 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 and yes, all over this place. I'm so proud of you right now, and I I commend you for your bravery because we have to do something. We have to get a hold of the thing that stops the stealing of the fruit. So listen, what I'd like to do, for those of you that are saying yes to Jesus, maybe it's for the first time, and those of us that really need to tend to the vineyard today, um, I ask them to put a prayer up here that we're gonna pray through together. It starts with Father God, Jesus Christ. you have that? <clears throat> if not, I'll pray it and you listen, but um, we could say repeat after me. It's a whole paragraph, Father God, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. Not yet? No? Okay, he missed it, that's okay, it's not a problem. Listen, what we can do is repeat after me, but that would take a long time. Um, Because I wrote a paragraph. And that's okay. We could do that. But what I like to do is pray this thing. And if if you're in agreement, you just say amen. Is that okay? That's agreement. It's a prayer of agreement. And I'm going to pray. And it's, it's a full and complete prayer just to walk in newness of life. You ready? All right. Father God and Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, I believe in you and I trust in you. I confess and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to dwell within me, to convict me of sin and to renew my mind. I confess and repent of every sin that I committed on purpose or by accident. I receive full forgiveness from God as demonstrated by Jesus and the finished work on the cross. Now I renounce you, Satan, in all of your works in Jesus' mighty name. I'm gonna say that again. I renounce you, Satan, in all your works. In Jesus' mighty name, I stand against every evil plan, thought, and demonic stronghold. In Jesus' name, I choose to forgive all those who hurt me or sinned against me. I close the door to the effects of Satan and his influences. I choose to walk in newness of life, renewing my mind daily in the power of the Holy Spirit as my teacher and my guide. I set my mind on things above. I set my mind on things above. I am free to bear all the fruits of the Spirit in all my relationships. I'm gonna repeat that as well. I set my mind on things above. I am free to bear all the fruits of the Spirit in all of my relationships. I thank you and I worship you, Father God. I love you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I worship you, Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. All right, thank you so much. Well, hey, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time or you prayed the, the prayer of salvation for the first time, yeah, let's pause for applause. Can we do that? So as I said, those who said yes to Jesus, we just wanna thank God for that. <clears throat> but if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love for you to stop by the Next Step station on your way out to pick up a book and fill out a Connect card, but also you could scan that QR code in front of you right there. But hey, some of you, I'd love for you to come down here to the altar, man. Prayer team, I would love for you to come forward right now. Man, we're ready to pray for some of you. Some of you need more than just the prayer that I prayed. Some of you need hands laid upon you. Some of you are like, man, there's freedom that I am contending for, whether in you and your family or something that you're facing. You can even start coming down now as we're wrapping up this service. And, and we can pray and we can stand with you and say, the Lord of the harvest will have everything that he died for on that cross and everything that's supposed to come through my life. Nothing should be stolen in Jesus' mighty name. So come forward, make your way forward for prayer. There's, there's enough of people to pray. Alicia and I will stay long enough to pray for you. I'm gonna pray a, a benediction over you and then you're dismissed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. And may he also give you a very fruit-filled week. Love you guys so much. See you soon? All right, blessings.